think we really need to roll back that idea that economics is going to save the world. So it's not the utilitarian notion that we might have of this is my land, how can I exploit it? That all then exacerbates climate change as well. It's a vicious cycle. And so that's why we need to take uh, an integrated approach. Communities live integrated lives. Welcome to About Us, a non-expert podcast seeking to illuminate the complex theme of sustainability. We do this by listening to researchers, practitioners, and people worldwide from different disciplines, backgrounds, and experiences working towards a sustainable future. My name is Marcela Ramos. I am a research fellow at the Sustainability IRT at the University of Glasgow. In previous episodes, we review different ways of thinking sustainably and some values associated with this concept. We also discuss how legal systems shape our relationship with water or how food is produced. And we learn about the story of a Colombian community that succeeded in ensuring the rights of the Atrato River, thus protecting it from contamination and safeguarding the people around it. In this way, through various experiences and reflections, we enrich this conversation on sustainability. In order for us to learn the most about our planet, how it works, that there's no single location on Earth which is best for this. And actually the best location for this is, is actually high up above it. Um, whether this is uh, 50, 60, 70 meters, or whether it's um, five, 600 kilometers in space where, where we have our satellites. So where we can look in towards the earth, and we can be constantly essentially taking pictures, okay, recording information on how the land surface and practices upon the land surface are maybe changing in time, but also how they're impacting maybe adjacent uh, kind of surfaces. Brian Barrett, a reader in environmental remote sensing at the University of Glasgow, scans and monitors planet Earth's physical characteristics. Sometimes it uses satellite imagery. At other locations, he uses drones. The recording allows Brian to understand issues and processes associated with climate change and the practice of intensive agriculture in different parts of the world. We can use satellites that give this local scale analysis or lens, but also to regional, but also to national, but also global scale as well. So we can see, for example, how if, if I'm expanding my farm, how that also then has maybe consequences for the wider ecosystem in terms of maybe taking away from some um, forest or from some kind of species-rich grasslands as well. So we can start then to look at maybe over time how these changes are actually contributing to a loss in maybe biodiversity, okay, a reduction in the number of pollinators that we have available in a certain area, but also maybe how it's contrib contributing toward land degradation as well. We can see that if we are looking at, say, for example, intensively managed areas where they have a lot of fertilizer input, 
You can see then maybe the, if there is a degradation in the, in the quality of the soil or soil health. One of Brian's topics of interest is soil conditions. In soils around the world, there is a trace of how little we have cared for our natural environment and the need to implement other practices to promote a sustainable future. If we are degrading the quality of the soil and if we have just contributed to us the destruction or ill health through years and years of applying artificial fertilizers to it, um, trying to always achieve the maximum efficiency. Yes, that works on a, on a short-term scale, but it, not on a long-term, because then we just leave those soils degraded and they're, they're, they're not going to be able to be used um, for agricultural production. What happens then is that then we move into other areas then. Um, so expand, agriculture expands then into maybe areas, for example, like forests, uh, contributing to deforestation, wetlands, okay, so maybe drying out of wetlands and peatlands as well. And then that all then exacerbates climate change as well, because we're releasing more carbon. So it's it's a kind of a, a vicious cycle that maybe sometimes an individual or corporation maybe wouldn't really realize what they're doing, but how that kind of snowballs into contributing to all, all these different impacts then as well. So using earth observation is really a, a key tool for kind of monitoring and, and assessment of, of this, of this kind of changing environmental circumstances. The real key is that we can use that information, those insights for monitoring, to be able to actually um, feed into policy and decision making, whether that's at a local level, in terms of in the farmer's hands, but going right up then to um, kind of more regional or national level planning as well. So that's where I really see the key contribution to this. Brian has conducted research in Colombia, China, Nigeria, Vietnam, and these different contexts have taught him that there is no one way to do things sustainably in agriculture. As crucial as diagnosis provided by satellite images and the contribution technology could make to the decision-making processes are the farmers' cultures and the geography surrounding them. An interesting example, I remember going the first time uh, it was, I was in Antioquia, there was encouragement for them to grow a certain type of, of pasture known as uh, perennial ryegrass and with a, clo with a clover mix. And that's what works really well in, in Europe. Um, so in the Republic of Ireland, Scotland, Netherlands, that that's what gives you uh, a really good uh, high protein uh, food source for, for your animals. However, it, it just didn't work there. Did they focus on uh, growing kukuru, which is a, a species that's um, more kind of hardy and drought resistant and that originally came from Kenya. And that required less kind of management. So it required a lot of inputs in terms of fertilizer, but required less um, kind of management. So it was easier. And when you take into account the topography of where you where they were in Antioquia on the side of the Andes, where you can't get machinery, um, it, it made perfect sense. Um, and it's what it's what worked. Um, so they're happy with that trade-off in terms of reduced um, I suppose productivity from the animals in terms of the milk or what they're able to gain because of that lower nutritional quality from the kukuru grass compared to a, a perennial or Italian ryegrass mix with clover, for example. So That again was a, a, a kind of interesting insight into 
what works one in one area can't just be easily transferred to another um, just based on, on that fact that, okay, it works well here because you need to take in the, obviously the climate, but also the, the, in, in that case, the topography, but also the, the actual kind of social or cultural uh, values as well. started this conversation, Brian told us that to understand the physical processes that affect the planet Earth, it is essential to look at it from above. However, recalling lessons that have marked him, Brian mentions a visit he made in 2016 to Doha, Malawi, where he met Daniel Chinkunta, manager of the Dikwondi Freedom Gardens where sustainable farming is practiced daily. Hello, Marcela. This is Daniel Chinkunta from Malawi. So Freedom Gardens being a sustainable farm, in the first place, you have to have several varieties of trees for agroforestry. Some of, some of the trees are purposely meant for retaining the soil of fertility, Then some of the trees are purposely for agroforestry purposes and then activities. So in the first place, that when you view the farm from the bird's eye view, you feel to say it's something like a forest. Now, because of these trees, we have so many birds. So there are so many birds within the farm, so many different kinds of birds within the farm. So the trees provide habitat for the birds. In addition to the beds, we have several animals that also find the habitat within the trees. So these are animals like squirrels. We also have uh, several insects that find habitat within the trees. Then we have other animals like frogs because of the fish ponds that we have. In addition to the frogs, there are some snakes that move around the farm. And then we have some lizards that move around the farm. So in general, we have a combination of the entire ecosystem that is supporting the farm. So in addition to the trees, we then have fruits. So we have fruity trees, like the tangerines, the oranges, the lemons, the bananas, the sugar cane. Daniel Chinkunta is based in Doha, a central district in Malawi. Daniel believes that a fundamental difference between sustainable farming and the conventional practice of agriculture is understanding the interaction or coordination between trees, crops, animals, and soil. Once we make sense of these connections, we must respect natural processes and their timings. One of the characteristics of Doha is the lack of rain, For this reason, a central practice in Freedom Gardens is water harvesting. Water is collected from different sources to be reused on the farm during the dry season. So the practices that we use for water harvesting are diverse in nature. So I The first practice is planting and then uh, regenerating and then keeping trees within the farm. 
So the trees that are grow within the farm helps to reduce the water drop impact into the soil. It also helps for water to be able to soak into the soil. In addition to this, uh, we have we have the terraces. So the terraces reduces the north. That's helping sink. That's helping taking the water down into the soils. Then, in addition to this, we have the trenches. So we have a series of trenches within the farm. So this series of trenches are able to trap water during the rainy season, and then straight underground. We also have the fish ponds and the swaris. Now, with the fish ponds and the swaris, we are able to harvest both the rainwater and also water that's coming from the stream that runs close by to the farm. The farm is also divided into a series of sunken plots. So the sunken plots traps water within the rainy season, such that there is, there is no runoff, but the water goes underground. Water from the homestead is directed into the swallows that are close by to the homestead. To the homestead and also through to the trenches that are close by to the homestead. So the, all of these practices helps in harvesting the water. So I should say we do harvest both the rainwater and then water from the stream. As crucial as harvesting the water is to maintaining the soil. Here we can see another critical intersection in Brian and Daniel's reflections the importance of keeping the soil healthy, or, as Daniel says, the fertility of the soil. One of the most important, important things in, in sustainable farming is looking to the soil of fertility. Because basically considered to say all life in the first place depends on the soil. So in the first place, we need, we need vegetation to grow from the soil. And then with animals and ourselves, we can then feed ourselves out of the vegetation that's growing from the soil, be it either directly or indirectly. So with, with soil in the first place, we make, sure, we make sure to say our soils have life. So we make sure to say we are maintaining the life status of, of, of the soils that we have. A soil that is rich in fertility will be able to, to support most of the crops that, that can be grown into the soils. So the idea is to say every seed that falls on the soil or that is planted on the soil should be able to germinate and produce whatever it's supposed to produce. In this episode, we review experiences and testimonies that allow us to understand and dimension how farming practices affect soil health and fertility, a central component of a sustainable approach to agriculture. Using drones and satellite imagery, Brian Barrett has captured the complex effects of intensive agriculture. He believes it is central to use this information to promote sustainable decisions among small farmers who are most affected by climate change. From Brian's observation and analysis, we move to the hands-on experiences of Daniel Chincunta, 
who practices sustainability in various cultivation, harvesting and care spaces at Freedom Gardens in Malawi. Daniel's account is detailed and allows us to realize how important it is to approach nature as a system of connections, where we are just one part. One of the treasures of this episode resides precisely in the conversation between Brian and Daniel's experiences. In this way, using different scales, we can approximate the complex relationship between sustainability, farming and agriculture in a world exposed to two interconnected and severe challenges, climate change and food crisis. About SAS is produced in collaboration with Multiplied By and edited by Emilia Robinson. If you want to delve into some of the definitions, authors and approaches we have presented in this episode, please visit our website, where you will find useful resources, documents and links. <music> 